This is gonna hurt. It's time, it's time for the Suffering, for the suffering podcast. podcast. A good heart and a solid soul is a rare thing. In an increasingly narcissistic and self-centered society where everybody is looking out for number one, there are a group of people committed and dedicated to the service of others. In order to have a heart that gives until it bleeds, you must first experience suffering. Traveling down that same road as those you are attempting to assist, looking at the world through their eyes and listening with sympathetic ears. These angels are all around us, but are always in short supply. They are the undercover superheroes of a modern world. In times of confusion, they show up. They just appear. I'm Kevin Donaldson here with Mike Felace, on this episode of The Suffering Podcast, we go international. We welcome Amanda Coleman all the way from Ireland to sit down with us and discuss the suffering of Irish Angel. Now, I, Amanda, thought, I thought we were going to Ireland and do this. That's our next remote <laughs> okay. podcast. Right. Now, Amanda has walked through the darkness, and she chose to change her life and now helps others. Amanda, thank you so much for coming in. It was a, probably a hard swim getting over here. Right? Yeah, I paddled all day. <laughs> <laughs> a week. <laughs> How was it driving over that water, though? I mean, yeah, that's, that's tough. tough. That's tough. tough. So yeah. it's a hard paddle. But thank you so much. It, it means a lot to us to come in. I know you're, you're this international superstar, and you chose oh to come all this way just to sit down with us. Of course. That's what I'd be sitting with. That's what we were saying before. There's nothing else to see in the United States but us. Oh, New Jersey's the best place to go. If you're coming to the States, you got to go to New Jersey. It's huge. New Jersey's huge? New Jersey's huge. Oh. You you could get from one side of New Jersey, top to bottom, in two and a half hours. Two hours, 45 minutes. Yeah. But you can go east to west in an hour and 15. Yeah, but when you think about it, Ireland's like nearly... Two and a half hours from Dublin, which is on on the east side, to the west side, in like two and a half hours. Like, it's ridiculous. So when you say that, like, New Jersey is basically Dublin going to Galway. It, it's it's just harder to get around New Jersey. Yeah. Because a, a half hour trip could sometimes take you the two traffic. hours. Yeah. You oh need to God. drive in the Midwest. So the Midwest, there is nothing. You go over a little hill. I mean, there's not even trees. You go over a little hill and you see for miles. You see tornadoes taking up Dorothy's house in, <laughs> in the distance. And there is nothing. And it's just a straight road. Try to stay focused on that. For five hours, you don't see anybody. You don't see another car. That's the Midwest. So New Jersey's nothing for me. Yeah. Well, we anyway. did that in Florida. Florida remember yeah, we, remember when, I, when I had to drive all the way across? Uh, so the, the story with Florida, Amanda, is, is uh, we drove, we were doing shows down there and we drove across the state from Tampa to West Palm. And we didn't leave until about midnight. You're right. So it's, it's, we're tired. We flew. It, it was awful. The last five minutes before we get to our, our uh, Airbnb, he says, hey, Kevin, you want me to drive? <laughs> <laughs> five minutes, five minutes. But before we get into any of these great stories, uh, we take a message or we take a question every week from our audience. And it's our social media question. This one comes from Stanley. And Stanley writes, what is holding you back? And you can't say yourself because that's just way too easy. That's too, that's low hanging fruit. So you got to think of something as if you were going to be able to do anything in your life, anything in the world that you ever wanted to do. Why aren't you doing it? Because we, as I said earlier on, the government. The government. Yeah. Yeah, they they send they tend to put a lot of restrictions on people. They do. They do. Um no, it's 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 not that. It's like if you want to do things right and you want to come over, say for instance me coming over here because I do what I do, mm-hmm. um, it's extremely difficult when you want to do it right. 
Well, we we're afraid the IRA is coming over here. <laughs> what, what do you got to do? Watch yourself. You see that look? You see that side eye look? And that'll do it for this episode <laughs> of Suffering Podcast. And by the way, we support <laughs> the cause. Mike, what do you think? Probably my height. <laughs> my height. Well, no, that's a, that's a valid. Yeah. That's a your you genetics know, I, in general. Yeah, I always like I said, I always want to be a football player, professional football player, and I was never tall enough. I was never. Talented enough. Talented enough. <laughs> yeah, I, I can They're relate. I'm very vertically challenged. Yeah, I, I get doubt. it. I get it. Boy, it's got to suck for you both of you. And follically yeah. challenged. <laughs> <laughs> for me, the the only thing holding me back, I used to I used to think when I was younger it was a lot lot of different things with financial or it was my lot in life or whatever it is. Now the only thing I see holding me back from doing real things that I want to do is time. Because time is mm. the one thing that you're, you, you know, you're not getting any more of it. Yeah. It's not going to regenerate, you know, with doctors and, and stuff. You're getting a little bit more, but, you know, your expiration date is your expiration date. That's it. And so, it's coming fast. The older you get, yeah, the faster it comes. Faster and faster. It's like a freight train. <laughs> you got that right. right. Father time never stops. No. <laughs> so we have this finite time. And, and it's not even... It, you don't even know. It's it's a guessing game. Nobody knows when they're going to die, and if, I don't think you'd want to know even if you could. Well, but you got to get Heather in as much. You know who Heather? Heather, yeah, she said she knew, but she how knows. are we going to know? How are we going to know if she knew? Exactly. That's the thing. How are we going to know? She's a medium. She, right. so she she said she knows, but um, not that I disbelieve her. But it's that it's that one of those guessing games. You better get it all out now because tomorrow could change. You know, That's it's it. living every day to the fullest type of mentality. Uh, Live your life like it's fourth and goal. Yeah, that's that's a good. That's a, I like that one. I'm going to tell tell my kids that. You just don't realize that when you're younger, you know, time. You think you've got all the time in the world, right? And then it's just. Well, as soon as you're older, it's oh, gone. Then it seems you go to yeah. bed one night and you wake up and you're old. It's it's insane. It's unbelievable. Especially, you know, the older you get, the faster time goes. Exactly. You yeah. know, it seems like this this summer, it seems like last week, you know, I went up to one of the teachers in a school I work in and I said, hey, you know, what are you doing for this? You know, what are you doing this summer? You got any plans? All of a sudden, we're back in school already. It was like, it felt like last week. I just, I asked her the question. So you remember that movie, The Crow? Yes. There was something there was a there was a phrase in there that always hit home and I'll never forget it as long as I live. The the bad guy, the super bad guy. He said the moment you're you know you're going to die is when you stop being a child. And that's that isn't that the truth? It is the truth. Yeah. Isn't that the truth? So yeah. Stanley, thank you so much for sending that one. Keep sending your questions in. We'll try to get them on the air. You're not always going to be young, but you don't always have to grow up. <laughs> I, I'm so I haven't grown up at all. Before we go any further, let's give a shout out to our sponsors. Go to ToyotaHackensack.com. We buy our cars from Toyota because we trust them and we don't trust many people. So go to ToyotaHackensack.com. Let them find you a car. And while you're driving home in your brand new Toyota, check out Frontline Cigars. Go to FrontlineCigars.com. Put in the code TSP for a 15% discount. And please support our sponsors. They help us put on this show. They help us bring people to the table like Amanda to give us a little window into who they are, what they went through, and some of the perspective they're going to give us. So, Amanda, I'm going to ask you one of the most difficult questions that you're going to be asked on this show, and that's tell our audience about yourself. As you know, I'm from Ireland. I have I couldn't tell. Never. Yeah. The accent, right? I thought you were from right? South Jersey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe some parts of New York. Right. Maybe, maybe but you could change that into a Boston accent. I could. You could change that. I think I could. You just gotta, you gotta hold, you gotta 
hold your O's a little bit. The, the more I'm around, because so, some of my team is from Boston, the more I'm around them, the more I'm talking like bunch of Bunch of co-ops. <laughs> co-ops. Co-ops. <laughs> the car. Tuan Brady. Uh, all you got to do is, is get Mark Wahlberg from uh, TED and, oh, and you got it down. I love it. it it's, well, it's, it's an Irish city. Yeah. So it, it makes perfect sense that, but it's, sometimes it's a little difficult to, to listen to. It's it's a little tough. Think? It's a little tough for me to listen to, especially when you're a Yankee fan. Especially when you're listening, <laughs> you're listening to Kevin Kearns all day. Oh. Our our former guest Kevin Kearns picked you up from the airport, so we want to uh-huh. give a shout out to him. Go to Burns with Kearns, and um, we thank him for bringing you to us and his book that we have displayed. Absolutely, always pick last. That's why we got it in the back because it was pick last. <laughs> 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 we're, we're becoming quite the uh, collectors of yeah. authors. We've got Charlie Cifarelli, which if you're an animal lover, you got to check out 14th and 2nd. So it's about Star the New York Pitbull, and you got to look that one up. And he wrote, a, uh, his his wonderful girlfriend, Jen, wrote I'm a Star, which is a children's book, because Star was shot in the eye. So although it looks different, you're really not different. That's yeah. what the, the, the theory behind that is, Miracles of Manhattan by Pastor Ron Lewis. And then all the way in the back is is the grid system by Professor Teresa Augustinelli. Um, so we make sure everybody. Where's your book? Bring your book in. <laughs> One day. One day. <laughs> One day. Then that's when we'll have you back too. <laughs> or that's when we go to Ireland. Yeah. We go to Ireland and promote our book. Yeah. It's deal. Yeah. Everybody says that to me. They're like, when we're coming to do this event in Ireland, I'm like, I don't know. Well, I maybe sooner than you think. So tell our audience a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so I yeah, stop skirting a question. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> deflect. <laughs> no, I'm a mom of three. I have three kids. Um, two girls. They're all grown up now. But they all live at home, of course. Um, and a, and a boy that's fourteen. So yeah, they keep me busy. But I was a hairdresser for twenty two years in Ireland. So um, this is a, a complete turnaround of my life basically i never expected to be over here doing the work that i do right now you know so it's uh we don't get many hairdressers from ireland coming in to do a podcast you know no, you, you may know. be our first <laughs> you yeah. may be our first uh, there's nothing i can do for you hope is gone so what do you do <laughs> with, <laughs> what do you do with all that yeah red? just keep chiming in <laughs> i know my time is coming <laughs> just saying what do you do with all that red frizzy hair oh. there's none do you know right in ireland right well that's a mutation it, red hair, yes. but but like they're tr- they have festivals now to try and get Redheaded people to mate with redheaded people because the redheads are, it, it's a dying breed now. As opposed to the United States where they actually have a day called Kick a Ginger Day. <laughs> See, I, I may go to Ireland and paint my head red and go to one of these festivals <laughs> and see if I could meet a, a nice Irish girl. You would look like groundskeeper Willie from The Simpsons. <laughs> um, but what drove you to being a hairdresser? Was that just a, a oh, common? I, I just wanted to do it from. Being so young, my, my cousin was a hairdresser and then I kind of looked up to her and then um, I just started to play with dolls' hairs and it just kind of grew from there, like, you know, and... Um, Did you enjoy it? I loved it. Yeah. Loved it. Touching yeah. people's dirty hair all day? I don't think so. I don't, I, don't, I don't know if I could do it. I really don't know if I can do it. <laughs> and I, I, listen, I cut my There's kids' hair. There's more things now you could touch, in fairness. <laughs> See, when, when Kevin was Kevin was younger, your when Kevin was younger and used to play with dolls, he never cut their hair that much. Yeah, they were like Kevin went to clothing, you know, the clothing industry. They were like, action figures, right? Mm-hmm. They were yeah. action figures. When is Barbie an action figure? <laughs> he used to put her legs the in the air and throw Ken on top of her. That was an action figure. <laughs> At least I played with Barbie and not Ken. 
Well, listen, when I was younger, I wanted a Susie homemaker. It was a little home kitchen set. My father would never get it for me. I could <laughs> have been a chef by now. Knowing your father, I don't think yeah. I don't think that's possible. So what? Explain to us like your what you do. Like I'm not that familiar with it, and I see I've seen the Quiet Man, so that's pretty much my knowledge of Ireland. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't look like there's a whole lot of things to do in Ireland. But I'm assu- I'm assuming now it's more metropolitan. It's I mean, well, the yeah. Quiet Man is actually nothing like Ireland. In fairness. Mm. It really isn't. Like, I know it's a lovely story and everybody, you know, relates to it, whatever. But it actually isn't. I suppose years and years ago, maybe it was. But I mean, it's it's so far from the truth, you know. Full of Irish hooligans now. Full of Irish hooligans. Yeah. Those, those Conor soccer, McGregor's walking soccer, around everywhere. Soccer hooligans. <laughs> well, that's a, he's, so he's both a good role model for the Irish and a bad role model. Because, you know, he has some bad behaviors. Mm-hmm. Um He's he's a fighter though. I mean, what do you really expect a fighter? You, you know, when, when Mike Tyson got into all his troubles here, what did you really expect? He, he was going to go out and be this great orator. Who knew that that was going to happen? Because it seems to have happened lately. Yeah. So, but I know he's he's very very patriotic when it comes to his, his home country. country. Yeah. Um, you don't know him, do you? No. Oh, all, I know someone who knows him. All Irish people don't know each other, huh? <laughs> okay, so that's the next myth I just got to check off. <laughs> but it, they're not all related either. No. <laughs> well, well, that's well. debatable. <laughs> so, so the question I have about Ireland is, is there still the big, I don't want to say war, but distaste between the Protestant and the, and the Catholic? There is, but not down south. Mm. Um, it tends to be up north, like where the Troubles was. Mm-hmm. Even when the Troubles was on, the south was never really affected by that well they were years ago when they bombed you know years and years ago and then the the peace process came in and even before that the south was never really affected so um it was kind even though it was only two hours up the road it was it, it was like a different world to us you know and it was the same with the uk like my my ex-husband was from england and he knew nothing about what was going on over over in Northern so he went and married a limey I did mm. for me since. See, I, I'm going to throw out all the didn't terms. last long. Yeah. Just I'm saying, gonna, I'm going to throw all the all the good terms out there. But so the the whole reason and the derogatory terms all absolutely. Once, yeah. you're good, you're so good the whole that. reason I am in America, the whole reason that my family is in America, is because my great grandmother was Catholic and my great grandfather was Protestant. Mm-hmm. So the old man dies in 1928, and he the, they had one hobby because they had nine kids. <laughs> they have one hobby that were all born two years apart in November and December. And they have one oops that was born in March, three years apart. But when the old man died in 28, any kid that was, I think, 12 and under was converted to Catholicism. Anybody 13 and older stayed Protestant. So half my family is split right. between Catholic and Protestant. It's, it's, a, it's a really weird dynamic. I was told that when I was a little kid and I couldn't wrap my head around it. Had great, great holiday dinners. <laughs> you, Interesting. You know, sit on opposite sides of the table and throw, right? throw <laughs> mashed potatoes and beer at each other. You know, the, the funny thing is, is they never argued about religion, politics. So the Catholics were one way, and the and the and the Protestants were another way. Holy cow! I remember my aunt Sally saying, "If Jesus Christ was this political party, I wouldn't vote for him." <laughs> That's what she said. I, I'm not lying. I heard it. I heard it. So you're here. You're not here because you're a pretty blonde. You just you're here for a reason because you got one hell of a story, and you started getting into it. And I said, "This is going to give me nightmares. Like this is really going to give me nightmares." And 
it kind of segues into your current life. I know you have one of the most horrifying suffering stories, and we've heard a lot of them on here. So why don't you give us a little window into that? God, a little window. I don't even know where to start because it's so long. Start at conception. <laughs> okay. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so when you were swimming, there was a there little was problem. A, yeah. yeah, there was a problem. Well, my mother and my father were together this one night. Yeah, this right. one night. Nine months One later. night at band camp. <laughs> <laughs> one night at of... <laughs> We see what movies make it over the pond. Okay, okay. So in order to come in here, you really got to really be well-versed in Will Ferrell movies. I love Will Ferrell. Okay, so Will Ferrell movies, we will quote him I love him quite frequently, especially Ricky Bobby. Oh, Ricky Bobby's the best. So um, shake and bake. I, 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 I have this again. I have this this conception of Ireland in my head, but it's mostly because my my fa- I still have family over there, and they show me pictures of, of Belfast, and it's not the nicest area in the world. No, it's not. Um, but that's that's like my conception of Ireland, and I know that's not the case. Yeah. I know that's not the case because I know there's there's a lot of beauty there as well. Oh, it's gorgeous. There's yeah. parts of it's beautiful. Like, But the funny thing is, like, when you go, like I said, it's only two hours from Dublin where I live. But if you go up into Belfast, it's very English. Um, the the architecture, everything. And don't get me wrong, there's parts of Ireland, down south in Ireland, because we were ruled by English law for hundreds of years. But the, the buildings wouldn't be as they are up in Belfast. It's really dark. I was. Like, I, that's what. That's that's my conception. Because yeah. the, the way it was explained to me is there's not a lot of economic opportunity. <laughs> yeah, there so, isn't. Yeah, there isn't. It's getting better though. In fairness, it is getting better. Like I was up there before COVID. I haven't been up there since. Um, and you have like the Titanic Museum. That's unreal. Mm. That's beautiful. Oh, um, that's right. It was built. It was, it was built, built in Belfast. Built in, built in Belfast. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. I forgot about that. It's all, it, honestly, That's why you it's never trust Irish builders. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> was Northern, it an Englishman or was it an Irishman? Northern Irish. <laughs> Northern Irish builders. You never trust this. We're, we're always up to something. <laughs> it would have been the O-Titanic. <laughs> <laughs> so you were, you were born, I, I don't know if you want to give the year, but you were, you were obviously born. When were you born? 75. You were, oh, you gave the year. You didn't have to give the I'm year. I'm an old fossil. I'm nice. Well, I'm still the oldest one in the room. I said, you I set have it up to that own way. it. You have to own it. I set it up that way, so you're always <laughs> the oldest one in the room. So your young childhood, how was that? My very first memory was um, when I, I think, I want to say I was about one and a half, two and a half. No, one and a half or two, sorry. Um, my mom and dad, I had an older brother. Um, he was two years older than I was. And... Um, my mom was in a very abusive marriage. My father used to beat the living hell out of her. Um, and you remember that? I don't remember all of that. I remember, it's, it's weird what you remember. Like I remember what I had on, like a red cardigan. That always sticks in my mind and crying. And the babysitter being in the room. She was packing her, uh, packing my bag. And it was only years, years later when I was talking to my mom about it. She was like, that actually happened, she says. The babysitter was that there that day when we were packing the bags to go you know so it's weird like you know you wouldn't think you would have that memory but i do i remember it well you know but um yeah she was in a very abusive marriage and ireland in those days you could not leave your your husband it was not the done thing you were shown upon it you were like the black sheep of the family you just couldn't you you had to stick it out so she did she left for about a week my nana sent her back um, she didn't want shame brought to the family, you know. 
So um, she went back and then one day my, my father came in and threw my little brother who was, he would have been possibly going on four against the wall. And she knew that was it. She had to get out. What was, did you ever find out the source of this anger coming out of your father? No. no. Was, he, was he a big drinker? Yes. From what I gather. But everyone kind of was then. And it was nearly, it wasn't necessarily. So Irish, yeah. I was going to say, yeah. Yeah. Now she's stereotyping. Yes. <laughs> We're different now. <laughs> um, but I mean, it's, it's, it's a weird one. It was nearly like it was fashionable to beat your wife. You know, that's how it was years ago in Ireland. It, it was just Fashion. a done, it was fashionable to beat your wife. But it was how much pound would, how much pound would you take? Was it you know like I mean? to, to put them in line type of thing? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it's like caveman days. Yeah. yeah that's, that's, pretty much. That's a little, yeah. and that's not that long. 1975 is not that long ago. You know, that's really not that long ago. Yeah. I mean, if you were to say, if you were to said, okay, 1800s, that was the thing. Yeah. Uh, not, still not acceptable, but a little bit more understandable. Yeah. Yeah. But 75, I mean, coming into the modern era there. Yeah. Yeah. But it was, like I said, like it didn't go on. All, not everybody did. <laughs> but um, yeah, you would get it quite a lot. It wouldn't be, it wouldn't be an unfamiliar thing, you know. You'd, you'd hear your parents fighting and you'd just go off into a corner and just or go down to your friends. You wouldn't, you know, it would just happen. It was a regular thing. Like it was, that's how it is. And it wasn't just for me. It was like friends was the same too. So, so you, did you, did you rally around that? Did you ever talk about it with your friends? Like hey, Not my, really. my mother we and didn't. father were into it last night. <laughs> we would talk about it, but it would be, you'd kind of brush over it. We tend not to delve into it because it would, I guess it's like everything else. It's a, it's a defense me- mechanism. You know what I mean? You just didn't talk about it. It's almost got to be embarrassing for you also, no? No, like, but it was kind of because it was what it was. Everyone was the same. Who we, we The circles that we all moved in, nearly all of the fathers were the same. So it was it was weird how it was, you know? And what was what was the profession? What did, you, what did your father do for a Painter life? and decorator. He was a painter and decorator. And was that common? Like, what was the common <laughs> trades around there? Was there factory work? or was Factory it work, factory yeah. Factory work. Yeah. Yeah. Which will drive you insane. You yes. know, not to defend your father. I'm not, I don't want to do that, but yeah. that stuff will drive you insane. Doing yeah. the same thing over and over every day. Yeah. I can't imagine it. Yeah. So how long did it go on for? She left him when, she, I think I, I think I was between one and a half, two, when she left. Um, for good. For good. Yeah. For good. Um, the, uh, my grandfather and my, I think it was my uncle, Johnny went up to get my mom out of the house. They knew that he had beaten her so bad. She locked herself in a room with a kettle just to, to heat up my bottles. Um, she locked herself in the room and, and my grandfather got wind of the ward and he drove down to Scaries, which is like, it's miles away um, in them days because they didn't have, you know, like decent roads. It was all back roads, bendy little roads. So it was it was by a distance. But um, they went and, and they ended up taking my mom out of the house. And I'm surprised your, your uncles didn't, do anything physically to your father then my uncles like my mom comes from a family of seven kids and um the older ones were kind of married doing their own thing it would johnny johnny and paul would have been the youngest ones and they would have been you know in and around the house more often but they were young then they would have been still young you know but um yeah they 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 went my grandfather Hit him a dick, yeah, so, <laughs> basically. So there, there was a story that I was, I was told. My my grandfather's sister, her husband, beat her. Yeah. 
And the the only and I heard this from my cousin. The only sto- the only thing that nobody knows what was said. My grandfather was a pretty tough guy. We, nobody knows what was said, but they know he took him in the back room and had and shut the door. And when he came out, he's they said he was white as a ghost, and he never touched his sister again. So I don't know what happened in there, mm-hmm. but I always know that the brothers, especially my grandfather's family, were ultra protective yeah. of the women, ultra protective. Like, you know, they're happy for him. They, they, it's not that they were jealous of their marriage or anything, but don't don't mistreat her. Don't mm-hmm. mistreat her. And that's that's what I don't know. It, that that bothers me a little yeah, bit. That nobody stood up and was her advocate. Yeah. Yeah. No. Well, I mean, if she said if all the guys were well, not all, but most of them were doing it back then. Yeah. It's a yeah, cool thing. Yeah, it was. Is a thing. You're not cool if you don't hear your wife. Yeah. Get, get on the bus. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, she left when she left there. We lived in a, a, a little area that was um, like three rows of cottages. Like so, it was a really small, you know, community. Everybody knew everybody's business, so it was shameful for her to be a single mom. And um, we were living in a trailer at the back of my 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 nan's next door neighbor's house. We were we were in the back garden. Um, and it was pretty bad, like, cause we were broke ass poor. Everybody in Ireland then was poor. Mm. It didn't matter if you were working or what. Everybody was, everyone was broke. Um, so there wouldn't have been heating in there. There wouldn't have been, you know, she used to put coats over us to keep us warm. That sort of thing. Like, yeah. so. And you're a young child at this time. Yeah. Yeah. But is it, is, does it become normal? Yeah, it, it does. You don't think about it, mm. you know? Um, I mean, if that's the way you're grown up, you don't know any better. You don't know any better. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And even in today's world, I only had this discussion with somebody there the other day. And I was like, before, like Ireland was a, a, always a nation where we would emigrate everywhere because we were a very poor country, you know, poverty, we were poverty stricken, but everybody was the same. You know, it was, um, it was rare that you, you'd know somebody that would have enough money to immigrate to America or wherever. So people were kinder to each other, though. We always looked out for each other. You know what I mean? Everybody was in the same boat and it wasn't a case of keeping up with the Joneses or whatever. Um, It was just everybody was just we all had like a mutual understanding with each other. If one needed a slice of bread, you'd bring them over a slice of bread. If one needed a cup of sugar, you you know, that's that's how it was. Um, And people were just much nicer people than what they are now. And then that's just because money spoils everything. It does. It's the root of all evil. You needed to survive. You needed to survive, but yeah, you know, you're, you're playing this catch-up game with everybody. Like I said, keeping up with the Joneses. Or, yeah, or you know. exactly. We joined the EU then, probably. I think I want to say it was um. For, that's the European Union. I just want to translate. Okay, uh, yes. <laughs> I speak Irish. Thanks, bud. <laughs> I speak Irish. <laughs> um, we we went, you got to spell stuff out for him, Amanda. Come okay. on, <laughs> look at that. That's not, it's not funny. It is. It actually is. The blank expression on your face is hilarious. Just saying. <laughs> That's him thinking. He's it thinking. Is. He's yeah, trying he's to come thinking. back with a comeback. It's just not happening. Yeah. <laughs> trying to work mix something in there. You know? <laughs> what is it with the mix thing? <laughs> I don't get that. Like it's like what uh, you know. Mick, well, mix mix is the slang term. No, for, I know for Irish here. And, yeah, I know. You know, but that, I think that's the. But only it was one. like that's an insult. I mean. Jesus. No, I was thinking like Mick, like a last name, Mick, like a McSorley or something like that. You know, a nice Irish name I could throw out there. But McSorley? McSorley's is a bar. Exactly. McSorley's is a bar around here. Yeah. Right. An Irish bar in New York. McSorass. 
so how long did you live in the trailer for? I actually think I was about five, maybe six when we got a house. It was um, a little bungalow from um, the government, the, the, you know, social housing. Mm. Um, so we moved, we moved to a place called New Grove in Dublin. So um, as much as there was bad memories there, it was the best time, the best time of my childhood was then. I know that sounds weird. In, in the cottage. In the little cottage, yeah. Yeah, but was it was it because of friends were around or was it friends. peaceful? It was peaceful, friends. yeah. Friends, yeah. And you had a heat. And we had heat. well, yeah, we had a, we let, we had an open fire. That's what we had. We had an open fire. You had an open fire and plumbing. Yes. Okay, so that's the big one. It's better than well, the trailer. No, no heat. No, no heat. No heat. <laughs> oh my gosh, and it gets it gets a little chilly over there. Just be freezing. Yeah. <laughs> but like, Jesus, my mom would have us, right. in fairness, she used to put you into the bed, she'd wrap you up like a mummy, couldn't move, like you were like this in the bed. Yeah. <laughs> she'd have sheets, blankets, everything wrapped around you, you know? Well, so, so you were, well, your mother had at that time. Yeah. You know? So at least she looked after you. Yeah. Um, you know, being a woman who is technically looking, looked at as being disgraced, you know, she could have given up, but yeah. she chose to fight through it. She had little ones to look after. Yeah, and she had her own journey as well. Like, she, aside from everything else, she had her own, her own thing going on as well. So, it's uh, only uh, did she work at all? Yeah, she used to be a factory worker, and um, when she met my father, but then he wouldn't allow her work. Um, it was kind of like not the done thing. <laughs> then my mom was a looker and stay home, stay home and get beaten. Yeah, yeah pretty mm. much. It was like well, cook, you know, clean, get beaten. Yeah, it's like you know, she he was afraid that if she went to work, the men would be looking at her. Um, obviously the good times didn't last. When did it start to go down a little bit? Um, I suppose from an early kind of a stage, but you don't even, you don't, at the time, you don't even realize that it's going down. It's only when you look back that it's you know. It was slow progression. Yeah. Right. So um, we were, we were always broke and, but my mom's friends would come over, they'd bring drink and then there'd be parties and, you know, you'd wake up with strange people in the house and <laughs> bottles on the floor and all that kind of stuff. You well, know? you said your your mother was pretty. Was there guys coming in and out? Yeah. 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 Good for her. <laughs> yeah. Now it's grand. Yeah. <laughs> then I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, she's got to she's got to cope somehow, and I guess that's did, did she turn to any unhealthy coping mechanisms to to get her through? Yeah, drinking drinking at the time. What was the drink of choice? Um, Bacardi. An Irish person drinking Bacardi. Drink Bacardi. Bacardi was her thing. What, Jameson? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No, that's a, that's expensive stuff. Tell that's them more rot, do. Rot gut whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> stuff you used to drink in college, you know? That's that's what you got to drink. So where where did you guys go from there? It, it was weird. She grew up She grew up with my sister's dad. Um, they all went to school together and, and what have you. And, and he came into our lives again. He always had a thing for me, ma'am. Um, and in actual fact, the night before she got married, he asked her not to marry him. And, uh, and so did her father. Her father told her not to marry him. Um, but she married him anyway, just because, you know, it's a rebellion thing to do, right? Um, was she a young woman or? Yeah. What? She was 19 when she got married. The second time or the no, first, first time? time. First time. She, okay. she only got married once. Okay. Yeah. 
Oh, oh, your father. She, he, he said not to marry. Okay, yeah. all right, yeah. I understand. I understand. Yeah. But what about was there was there another long term boyfriend coming in? Yeah, Eddie was Eddie was always there, which is my sister's dad. Your sister's dad. It, but that was again, that was a volatile relationship. That was the same. It would be he was great to us. In fairness, it, it's weird to say that because there would be the beatings, and we would get beaten too. Um, but it was the most stable we had been. And we had more than we ever had. Mm. Eddie had a great job and, you know, he always looked after us like his own. So um, even to this day, I have I have a love for Eddie, you know, even though we went through some shit with him. So, well, there's a, there's a difference between disciplining your children <laughs> and beating your children. children. Yeah. You know, and and I'm not saying what he did was either way or the other, but kids know that like yeah. kids pick up on that stuff. Yeah. You know, when you're just a sadistic son of a bitch. Versus somebody who's trying to set those kids on the right path. Yeah. Well, you see, it was it was kind of weird because he would he would treat me with the discipline end of things. But my brother, my older brother, he was David was always he was pretty messed up from, from a young age. Well, he got thrown up against a wall. Yeah. 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 So he That'll do it. he was always like the rebellious kid, and he was always you know in trouble in school. Wouldn't do any work in school. Eight, eight, when he was eight, the police was knocking on the door because he, he'd thrown a brick through somebody's window. You know, he was always an angry kid. Like, he was an angry kid. Um, and, yeah, we just, like, it, it was weird because he was a lovable kid as well. You know, he had a really loving side to him with his family. But he he just had, like, this troublesome streak in him that no matter what you did with him, he would never, he would never listen. He would never, you know, he'd always do his own thing. Do you think that, do you, in, and in all fairness, do you think that had to do with what, how your father treated him? Or actually what he even saw? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. pretty much. But that attributed to his, his way as well. You know, he got progressively worse. I was reading this article the other day about most, mo, it was saying how most adult uh, mental issues most adult mental issues stem from when childhood trauma. Yeah. yeah. Which Absolutely. is I could I could understand that. I yeah. think so. I think so. Me too. Yeah, so that your brother gets did he ever get locked up or they just came in? Yeah, well he got into juvie like he was he was two weeks locked up in juvie in Mount Joy. <laughs> he was. That was enough to scare the living shit out of him. So he's yeah. like, I've had enough. <laughs> you straightened himself out after that? Well he did and he didn't. David, for, the, for the most part. He he was he was David was kind of like this kid that always always wanted to prove himself to his mates, even if it meant taking the blame for them. Yeah. You know, he always had to be the big man. Maybe it was because he never had that stable man in his life. You know, that, that whole, I don't know. It's the only way I can think of it. Did he always have to try to prove himself to your father? Yeah. Cause that's, that's probably what it's from. If he could never prove himself to his father, he's well, trying, it was to, prove trying himself to prove himself to, his... to everybody yeah. because we were kind of shunned upon as much as my, my my grandparents were there. They weren't like our family. Our family kind of because my mom was, she was separated, um, and because we were doing our own thing, she was she was shunned upon, and and so were we as kids. Yeah. So you know what though, that makes it kind of makes sense. You know, um, I believe that if I'm going to get blamed for something, I'm, I'm going to do, do it. Yeah. You know, so if you're going to look down on me, well, screw you. I'm going to go do. I'll give you a reason to look down well, on me. Yes, I'm yeah. going to give you a reason. Yeah. So I think, you know, looking back and I don't know your brother and, but I can only theorize that that might be one of the reasons that he did it. Yeah. Yeah. 
And did he ever straighten his life out? He did. He did. Yeah. Um, he, David was, I want to say he was 17. He got in a spot of bother again and he, he thought he was going to be locked up in, in big boys prison this time. Mm. Um, and so he went on the run. He went over to the UK and um, eventually he came back and he turned himself in. Now my family, my family, they're in law enforcement, but um, the cops had a great relationship with him. It was weird because he was always in trouble. He was always had probation officers from the time he was young all the way up. Right. So they, um, yeah, they, they had, a, a, they, they actually loved him, you know, and sadly David died in 93, but um, they gave him a Garda escort for his funeral and everything. Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. <laughs> they lost a lot of business that day. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> no, he had like, he, he was, he was doing so well. He was, uh, you know, he was, he was working. He'd moved to my nan's. Um, he was working. He had got trials for the Dublin team, which is, it's huge for us. It's, I suppose it's like one of your American football teams, right? Only it's Irish football. And, um, and then he was, uh, he went out in a car, um, one Sunday night and his car hit a tree. And um, David was a passenger in a car and he didn't have a seatbelt on. So he went out the back window. So David died that night. Mm, that's, that's a horrible thing. Yeah, it's tough. That's a horrible yeah. thing. And how old were you when David David passed? Uh, 17. He was 19? 19. 19. But you, so did, did your mother ever get her, get her, you know, you're in the house now. She's she's working. Did she sort of straighten everything out? She no. Had, no. 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 There was like, because her relationship was on and off all the time with my sister's dad. At this stage, my sister had come along. And um, their, their their relationship, was, as I said, it was always on and off. Um, and eventually we moved. The house that we were in was too small. It was a two-bedroom place. Um, and in Ireland, if you're in social, social housing, you can't. It was against the law to have like boys and girls sleep together if they were over a certain age. So we got transferred to a three bedroom place, which was where we grew up, where my, where my nana's from, where all our family is from. So um, we, we got a place there and um, then life just kind of got a bit crazy. <laughs> um, I sadly, well, when I say sadly, yeah, um, I was abused by a family member from the age of, I was nine till I was 13. Mm. So, um, so that was, that was that was a tough one because, you, you know, you're a kid. It takes a mental toll on you. It does. You, you blame yourself. You think it's your fault. You know, that that's just a given. Most victims do. Yeah, it's a given. So you, you never speak about it. You know, you don't, you don't say anything to anybody. So, so the, we, we have some, a little bit of experience in this because one of our guests, Clark Fredericks was in here and he was, he was raped when he was 12. And the playbook that these people who do this stuff, is almost the same. Like I'll bet they, they, they soften you up with certain touching and you know, it's yeah. a progress. It's not just it's grooming. It's yeah, yeah it's, it's grooming. It's yeah, not just grab you and go to town. It's, it's a progression it is, yeah. until one day it happens. And it's a family member too. It's not even like it's a, a family friend or somebody outside the family. It's somebody that you have to look at all the time. Exactly. So, probably somebody you looked up to. Yes. Very much so. Now, like what, how did you deal with that? You just got on with it. You just, just got on with it. There's, there's no residual effects. Like I'm sure you've had residual effects from it. Yeah, but it's like, I'm one of these people. I don't even know where I get this mindset from. I suppose 
when I look back on my mom's life and I see where she's at now, when I, I look back at it and I think to myself, do I want to be the victim or do I not, you know, do I want to be the victor? So I don't look back. And even all through, and you know my story. So like even all through my life, I never look in that rearview mirror unless I have to. There's mm. something that, that brings me back there that I have to. Because if you do that, it's one. It's, it's beating you, you know. I'll be damned if I let anything beat so, me. What's the one saying? That the front windshield is bigger than the rear view mirror. That's true. So keep looking forward. Just keep going. And sometimes you, and I suppose because there was always, for me, it was always repeated trauma. So you were, you never really had time to process what had happened prior to, to, to what you were experiencing right I was now. Supposed to say, was it like a daily or weekly thing like that? Or was it a one-time issue? No, no, no. It went on for years. It went on like from, but it wasn't, it wasn't a constant. It wasn't a constant. I, in fairness, I stayed away. Mm. I stayed away on purpose. Um, Your mother never got any inkling that this was happening? Does she know now? Yes. She does? Yeah. Which, did she believe it? Yes. Really? I, I'm surprised to hear that. Because most of the time when that happens, they, they don't believe it. Yeah, no, she she believed it. She believed it. She believed it. Is it possible that maybe she was? Yeah. What a sin. What a sin. I don't, I just don't understand. It's a, it's a bent gene in people. It's gotta be. You know, yeah. it's, it's a sickness or it's a power thing. And, you know, I can't think like them. Thankfully, I can't think yeah. like them. And there's a special place in hell for those people. There is. That take the innocence of children. There is. It's called Ireland. <laughs> 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 I'm sorry. Get back on the story. I'm sorry. <laughs> and once again, Mike throws in that just, uh, uh, you're like, you're two for two on that one, man. I right, get you. We, can, we can have nobody else in here with child sexual abuse ever because they're just going to be like, no, Mike's going to break my chops and make fun of my trauma. Clark would have beat my ass. She may jump over the table and beat my ass, too. I don't know. But Amanda's only five foot tall. And Clark, <laughs> Clark was like six, too. She I packs mean, a bunch, dude. though. He was a big dude. But uh, <laughs> w when did it end? Like, what happened to, that it stopped? I actually told somebody in my family, um, a cousin I told. And she went and told, I don't know if she told her dad, but she told my other uncle, who was very close with her dad. Um, my, yeah, so I, I was questioned about it. I denied it. Um, and then the person said to me, they kept drumming at me. You told, you told the secret. Why did you tell? You know? So that was my cue to stay the hell away. Well, did, did they arrest him? No, 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 no. It was brushed under the carpet. It was like, I was a liar. I was the liar. Really? Yeah. No. Yeah. How? <sighs> yeah. God, thank God. You know, that's one of the, I say a lot of the progression we made as a society, as a, as a global race of people isn't, is, is not always in a good direction, mm -hmm. but the fact that victims of childhood sexual abuse are believed now yes, is, is one of the, the progresses that are such a good thing. Yeah. Such a good thing. Yeah, exactly. So exactly. you stayed away. How was the rest of your childhood? Terrible. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> oh. Terrible. Tell well, us another fun story. Do, do we have commercial breaks? I just miss me. <laughs> no, um, it's like um, I met a I met a, a boy. I was I was dating a boy for about a year, and he was always you know trying it on. At this stage, I was fifteen. 
Of course, he's always trying to get it in. Fifteen <laughs> year old boy. Yeah. I wasn't. I wasn't having a bar of it though. You know, I just wasn't. And he used to embarrass me. He'd always call. I used to. For some reason, I always used to wear white. I have no clue. But he used to call me as virgin and white in front of people. And and it was embarrassing, like, you know, because you didn't know where to look. You'd be mortified, especially in old Ireland. It yeah. was like in them days, it was it was. Yeah, it's not like what it is now. People didn't talk about sex. Right. So, um, yeah, he I went out with him for about a year and then we broke up and then he called me and where I lived. So it's hard to explain. So I live near the airport. Um, and as I said, we were like three little rows of cottages in the middle of an industrial estate. Right. So there was all factories built right. the whole way around it. And then when you walked up, you had Santry Stadium, which is the national sports stadium. And at the back of that was all like what we would call the ghetto, what you would call the ghetto. Right. It was a place called Ballymun. And um, it was rough. It like the like if you thought you were poor, the people in Ballymun were, were worse, <laughs> way worse off than you were. Poorer. Yeah. Right. So but it was drugs and it was alcohol and it was just it was a horrible place. It was all high rise buildings and. And it was just, it was ugly. And um, yeah, so I broke up with him. And then one day he called me and he said, can you come up? Can you come over? And I was like, sure. Yeah. I said, what, what's up? And he was like, um, I want to get back together and la, 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 la. So me being me skips on over to walks up. I'll never forget. It was a November night, freezing cold. And it's not cool to wear a coat, right? So I had like three jumpers on. <laughs> I was layering. <laughs> um, and off up I went and I met him. And he had a, a pit bull, uh, a bull mastiff. Is that what the one with the big nose? Bull mastiff. Bull mastiff. Yeah, bull mastiff. Yeah. yeah. Um, he had one of them with him, and it was he. It was his friend's dog, but his friend lived in one of the high rise buildings, and he was minding his place for him and looking after the dog. So he said, "Come on." He said, "When you walk up, I have to go feed the dog." And I was like, "Yeah, sure, whatever." So um, we were talking. Everything seemed normal, and uh, then we went into. It was the 14th floor of a, a, a tower called Joseph Plunkett Tower in Ballymun. And um, we walked in and it was a dingy little place. And the door, I remember the door right in front was the bedroom. The door was open and there was nothing but a mattress on the floor and like a chest of drawers in the corner with a mirror on top. And there was like a butcher's belt across the top of it. And he says, oh, this is my friend's place. He's a butcher, la, 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 la. So I was like, grand, yeah, whatever. He says, come on in. So it wouldn't be, it wouldn't have been a bad thing to go in and sit with someone and kiss them. Like it was that, you know, no. in, in my mind's eye, we were getting back together. Right. And then he walked over to the chest of drawer and he pulled out a knife about this size. And he said to me, he said, you never gave, you never gave it to me. He says, but I'm going to take it now. And he put the knife to my throat and he got on top of me and he raped me that day. It was pretty shitty. Yeah, <laughs> to know? say the least. And that, it didn't end there. Like, so the dog was barking on the balcony, all the things that go through your mind, right? So I remember him being on top of me. I remember just all, I, I could hear every noise around everything. It, it's weird. You, it's like you zone out from what he's doing and you're just thinking about what's around you, right? So the dog is outside and it's barking. So he, he eventually gets up and goes out to the dog. And as he does that, I jump up, throw up, pull, pull back up my pants and run out the door. And I'm trying to get down the lift before he came back out. So I get down the lift and I started to run. I ran from Joseph Plunkett Tower down past Santry Stadium and it was all woodlands. 
So um, I'm, I'm running past there. And next of all, I hear him behind me and he's calling me and he has the dog with him and he set the dog on me. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> he was Insult to injury. Yeah. yeah. The dog locked on locked on uh, my arm. And thank God I had the three jumpers on because he didn't, you know, he stood there laughing at me and then he called the dog off. So it was, yeah, it was, and I, again, it's like what in your mind's eye, you're saying, what am I actually doing to have this happen? Continuously. Am I like asking for it? Right. Yeah. Am I doing something? Exactly. Right. So it it was just, it was, it was horrible. That, that, that is horrible. And I'm sorry that happened to you because no human being on earth deserves half of what you just described. Nobody. I don't care what, you, even if you said, hey, come here and brutalize me, still don't deserve it. No. no still don't deserve it. But it, that wasn't the end of him. Like, it, it, it was weird, right? So I told my best friend, I told my best friend, Anne, and uh, I stayed in her place that night. Uh, no, sorry, it was that weekend I stayed in her place. And the follow, it was the following weekend. And we were in bed, we were asleep. And next of all, her mom walked in the door and she said, you need to go home. And I was like, why? What's wrong? And she says, oh, your want, your mom wants you or something. David rang, you need to go home. And I was like, okay. And I, we only lived like five doors up. So I, I ran into the house. And when I ran in, my brother's sitting there drinking and he's sitting there drinking too. And he told my brother that I had slept with him willingly. So my brother was now thinking. He's he, mad at you. Yeah, he's mad at no, you. he wasn't mad at me. He, he was like, see, this is the weird thing. He was like, I just heard that you had sex with him. And I was like, I, I just ran out. I, I didn't know even know where to look, you know? So, and, and again, in your mind's eye, you're just going to yourself. Nobody is going to believe you. Yeah. Okay. Nobody is going to believe you, you know? Didn't and, believe you the first time. Exactly. So, you know, I, you just didn't say it. So eventually I told David, but David, he was like, he was a young man. Like he's, he's going around getting his jump on everywhere. Right. So he, he I like that. It's a much better way to say it. Getting his jump on. Yeah, so he, go out and get my jump on tonight. So he, he, but David at this time, David was, um, he was smoking hash. Hash was a big deal then. Like you're going, you're talking about the eighties, right? Yeah. So it was a big deal then he was smoking hash and he would blackmail me to giving him my pocket money so that you know, he could go out and buy his, his five spot or whatever. And, um, he used to say that he'd tell me, ma'am, that I had sex with thing. And that was, that, that, that nearly destroyed me because I didn't want her, you know. So now you're being blackmailed by your own brother. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Over being raped by your brother's friend. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So. Did it, did it lead to some later unhealthy relationships because for, of for this? For me? For you. No, for your brother. <laughs> He's had many. <laughs> um, it did. Uh, well, it did and it didn't. You know, I, I guess when you've been hurt that much, you know, you, you tend It's the only thing you know. It, it's a, you callous Yeah, it too. was. But it wasn't that you were going around and purposely, you know, seeking out people yeah. or anything like that. It was you looked for love. All you wanted was affection. You didn't, you know, you wanted genuine love that you weren't getting mm. with your own family. So like your, your, you know, your brother's blackmailing you, your mom is in and out. She's 
doing her own thing at this stage. Eddie was in and out. They were fighting all the time. You know, when you need your little sister to look after. And it, it was just it was just a really weird time. So I never really had a serious relationship until things got progressively worse. And that relationship, me entering that relationship was just looking for, for comfort, looking for love. And I imagine the first person to showed you that showed you that it's, it's attention game, or affection. game on, even if it wasn't genuine, you, you it doesn't matter. It's what you no, perceive. I, the funny thing, guys could fake it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's true though. What are you, they Frank do it Drebin? all the time. <laughs> Wait, Frank, Frank Drebin. Drebin? <laughs> I faked every orgasm. <laughs> so, uh, it's from a popular movie called the, the, the Naked Gun. Oh yeah, you're, you're in the police world, so you know the Naked Gun. <laughs> I do. <laughs> nice beaver. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you you got married at a young age? Um, no, I didn't. Um, my Life got a little bit worse after my mom, she met an American. Mm. She, he was a pilot um, and she was smitten by him. Like she, you know, she left like her and Eddie completely finished because Howard was now her world. So um, he, the relationship was going, he was always over in Dublin. He was always flying into Dublin. Yeah. Um, and he then asked her to go to the States. So she did. And she left us on her own for three months. He was an American? He was an American. Yeah, so. Dirty Americans. You guys can't trust them. <laughs> no, right? <laughs> can't trust them. Watch out for those. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so she went over She went over um, to America for three months. Now your only protection, and what little protection there was, that your only protection from this horror that you've experienced throughout your life is now in another country. Wow. Now your only protection there is your brother who was blackmailing you yeah. to begin with. And then he, David was getting so bad, like he was sniffing glue. He was, I found him under a gas bottle. You know, he had sniffed gas and passed out. Um, And he was even aerosol cans. I don't even know what yeah. he would, I don't even know huffing. what you do with that kind of thing. Yeah, there's yeah, some people it, I know that used to do that, huffing. They called huffing. Some people put paint in a sock and they'll, yeah. they'll yeah. Do, do it that way and. You, I mean, it's not much hiding it. They used to have the gold all silver <laughs> mouth, you know. So yeah, it was something about the gold and silver. Paint yeah, that I guess it was. Like. I guess it was better. Yeah. But yeah, that's that's that was a thing. That's, that's yeah. a pretty big thing over here because it freezes your brain. Yeah, the aerosol freeze your brain, give you a little bit of a high. Yeah, that's what happened to you. Go ahead, maybe so, a little bit. <laughs> um, then David got into it with me. We had a fight, and he 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 hit me really bad, like. When I was I was winded for oh my god I was I was in a lot of pain. So now you're getting abused by yet another man. Yeah. So my uncle, my uncle Johnny, he came over. I called him. Johnny came over and he took me out of the house, and I stayed with him. My sister was already with staying with her dad, but David was there on his own. So I would go and do the the, the grocery shop, and he'd give me a list, and I'd go to shop do the shop, and I'm looking at why is there all this cleaning products? The house was filthy. Right. I'm like, why are you why are you asking me for all this? That's when I realized what he was doing yeah. with the cleaning products, right? So um yeah, so eventually my mom came home. Um and I can't do you know what? There's a part of it I kinda I don't even know if I purposely blank it out. I don't know. It's it's just kind of really foggy. But there was there was times that David David would David tried to slit his wrists twice. 
And my mom, she used to get herself so drunk that she would shake pills at me, you know, threatened to kill herself all the time. So I would jump out of the bed, run down, knock the pills out of her hand and, and just try and stop it, you know. And um, as time went on, her and Howard split up, sort of. And um, anyway, she she ended up saying that she was going to take the pills. And I said, you know what? Just do it. I said, I'm done. I I, I was a kid. I was like, you know, I, I had had enough. I was between David, between my mom. It was just like, it was horrible. So little did I know she did take the pills. And uh, I found her that morning. Um, that was, that was horrible. She was, she was on death's door. So, um, that, that was kind of, Howard had heard that my mom was in that state. So he, he flew back over from America and, uh, they got back together and, and everything seemed okay for a while. And then he asked her to go back to America again. So in doing that, she, she says, sure. Uh, she said, but I'm not happy leaving Amanda here. At this stage, David was in trouble with the police again. He had run over to England. Um, and my sister was with me, ma- well, with her dad. So my mom, we were, because we were in social housing, we were in a three bedroom house. My mom wanted me to move into the, this uh, little apartment in Ballymun, in the ghetto. Right, but it was kind of in the nicest part of the ghetto. <laughs> the nice part of the ghetto. <laughs> the nice part. A one bedroom place till she got home. And um, so that, that my, it was my sister's uncle's girlfriend that we were transferring with. And my mom packed everything up. She went to America that night. And because it was a social house and everybody knew my mom was gone away, everyone who was fighting for that house for their own family on the street. They all wanted the house. So a massive fight broke out on the street. <laughs> and I was thrown into a van and I was, I was put to Ballymun. Back up to the flats again, to a stranger's house. I'd never, I'd never met these people before. They were her, the girl my mom was supposed to transfer with. It was her cousin, I think. Um, and there was two grown men, a woman, and five children in a two-bedroom, grungy, disgusting flat. Like, um, so I was waiting to find out what was going on with our house. I'd not, to me, I was still going to go to to, to the, the, the place we were supposed to move to. Um, and then they came up and they said, no, everything is gone. So they took every belonging that we had and I don't know whether, what happened to it. No, I had not got a stitch of clothing, nothing. Everything was gone. Just whatever was on your back. Everything, but yeah. You know what, Amanda? We can't do this in one episode. No. We cannot no, do this in one episode. Here. There's too much here. There's way too much because we haven't even gotten haven't gotten to, to the root of everything. Nah. Yeah. <laughs> we haven't even gotten to the whole reason what you do now. You know, we, you, we didn't get through. I mean, we didn't even get through her suffering. Never mind, you know, yeah. how she came through her suffering. Would you be willing to come back next week so we can finish this up? Absolutely. You know, fly back from Ireland first. <laughs> yeah, just go home. You're take lucky a, I'm here for a bit. <laughs> take, a, take, a, take a nap. Come back. You know, we're going to finish this up on the next episode. And we're going to get into this. So that's going to do it for this episode of the Suffering Podcast. We're not even going to talk about the stuff that we learned. We learned that Amanda had a really shitty childhood. Yeah, no kidding. That's beyond compare. Um, tune in next week, and you're going to you're not going to want to miss this one because uh, you know we're going to learn how Amanda comes out of this. 
because it's it's a remarkable story. So once again, that's going to do it for this episode of the Suffering Podcast, part one of the suffering of Irish Angel Amanda Coleman. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Follow the Suffering Podcast. Follow Mike at Mike underscore Felice. Follow me at Real Kevin Donaldson, and follow Blue Irish Angel on Instagram. And we're going to see you on the next episode of the Suffering Podcast. 